0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the People Processes Podcast. I'm your host, Rami Ali-Jil, and I am excited today to bring you Dr. Angela Lauria. Dr. Angela is the founder of the Author Incubator and creator of the Difference Processes for writing a book that matters. In 2018, the Author Incubator was ranked number 275 on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies and number 87 on Entrepreneur, Entrepreneur Magazine's Entrepreneurs 360. Angela is an expert when it comes to building teams and scaling businesses, and we are ecstatic to have her on the show. Welcome, Angela. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Great. Well, you got to start telling me how you got into what you do now. It's a very cool niche, and and I know you've got a great story on how you got there.
1: It is super cool. And I actually was um, recruited when I was in college to start working for an espionage author. He was a New York Times bestselling author and wrote spy stories. I'm in Washington, D.C. So I got my career tracking spies around Northern Virginia and helping journalists write books about them. And
0: that's spent- awesome. That's a great.
1: Super fun, right? <laughs> I know. I was really lucky. And um, from there, I uh, had an accidental freelance business. I spent 19 years as a ghostwriter, proofreader, editor, blurb writer, publicist, anything in the book industry. I was doing it. And my family would always ask me, when are you going to get a real job? And I sort of wondered that myself, Uh to be honest.
0: Right, right.
1: So I was like, maybe I'll go to law school. Maybe I'll get an MBA. And all of a sudden, a couple decades had passed, and I still hadn't figured out what I was going to do when I grew up. And all the work that I did with books, I was generating um, often for businesses upwards of 2,000 leads a month from books that I'd done with them. And um, they were generating millions of dollars in revenue. But I sort of thought of it like, pet sitting or babysitting, right? dog walking, it didn't feel like a real job because I got it in college and I just charged hourly and I didn't even have a website. I didn't have a company name. I was just like a girl who helped people with books. And suddenly I was a mom with a two-year-old who helped people with books. And I was like, I got to figure out who I want to be when I grow up. And I found this book called Finding Your Own North Star. What I searched for on Amazon was books like What Color Is Your Parachute? (laughs) And I wanted to take a quiz that said, like, you should be a personal injury attorney. And then I would like go do that. And what this book said was you should do what you lose track of time doing. And for me, that was reading personal development books and um, reading and writing and editing in the personal development, business books, nonfiction, like that was always my sweet spot. And I ended up um, hiring this woman as a life coach to help me figure out what I could, how could I make money doing this? Because all the books I had done were in a completely different genre. Sure. and she helped me um she actually trained me as a life coach her name is Martha Beck and i got trained as a life coach and she's like you can you can work with life coaches on their books and i didn't i couldn't see the money i couldn't see the revenue i couldn't see myself as a business owner i sort of saw myself as a freelancer mm-hmm. and i spent about probably 7 years not quite 7 years 6 years really working on myself. And then in 2013, I started the author incubator and we help life coaches write books just like that one Martha Beck wrote. And I hired her. So I read her book. I hired her. I went to a three-day workshop that was like $3,000. And then I spent another 7,000, 7,500 doing life coach training with her. So within about a year of finding her book, I spent $10,000 with her. And now I help other life coaches generate clients that are worth about $10,000 each. Um, Generally, our authors write books that generate between 25 and 50 clients in a year from their book, and they make somewhere between a quarter of a million and a half million dollars doing the very thing that saved my life and changed my life um, for other people so there are wellness books, nutrition books, business books, uh find a career you love, save your marriage, mm. uh, get healthy, uh all those different topics and um we've now just published our 1000th book. We uh we're at about um 20 million in revenue. We'll do about 20 million this year in revenue. We have 45 employees. We have two locations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm currently at the Author Training Academy in Georgetown. Um, And then we also have the Author Castle on the Potomac River in Northern Virginia. And it's pretty exciting what we've built in about six years.
0: That's outstanding. And I know that journey, there's been tons of amazing successes. And right now, things are looking Awesome. But I like to start our interviews after we kind of know our uh, person we're talking with a little bit and h- how cool they are now. I like to go back to the hardest parts because I think a lot of our listeners, and, and I know myself, we learn more from the mistakes, from the big, the big rough times and how we got through them than we do from the successes. So, uh, Dr. Angela, could you go back in your last six years in this entrepreneurial journey of building out this company to such a success? And tell me about the worst entrepreneurial moment you've had, the one that took, nearly took you out and and take us to that time.
1: Yeah. Well, God knows there's a lot of those. <laughs> right.
0: It's hard to pick, isn't it?
1: It really is hard to pick. Um, there's two that come to mind and I'm going to share about both of them. The, the one that really um, took me out that was like, I guess this is just the end was when I formed a partnership. And I think a lot of people in business do this early mm-hmm. on, This was very early on for me. Um, I formed a partnership with one of our authors, her, her, her book had done so well, her business, she'd been in business for like, I think, five years, maybe, and had made no money And within three months of her book coming out, we did over $100,000. She was one of my very first authors. I was just learning the difference process. She was one of my guinea pigs. And it was super exciting. And one of my coaches said to me, uh, what you should do is partner with her. Um, You should be taking a percentage from all of your authors instead of just having them pay you. And you bring so much value, you should get you should get more value than just being paid back.
0: Instead of time so, for money, money for value. Yeah, right, right.
1: Exactly. which sounded really good to me. So we partnered and um, I decided instead of having lots of clients, I would just have a few, like maybe three or four, but I would own like 40% of their business. And I would do all the marketing and they would provide the content because I'm super good at marketing and they're good at whatever they're good at. In this case, it was a woman who taught um, self-care to new moms. And so she could do her program and I would do all the marketing and then I'd get 40% of the value. And it worked. We partnered, we made tons of money, I was like, this is a great strategy. I'll do this with four more people and that'll be my whole business. Because if I get four people to a million, then, you know, that's all the money that I'll need. Like, I'll be done. It'll be great and super simple. And then about six months in, she was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Now I want to do this thing. And I don't like the marketing copy you're writing. And I don't want you to have my passwords for social media. And everything you write, I want to approve. And I'm not going to give you the password to my email. All the emails are coming out under my name. And all of a sudden, I was like an employee. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't very good at marketing. That's why she hadn't made any money in six years. So I was in a position where I had invested so much in this partnership. Like I put all my eggs in this one basket and without full control of the marketing, I knew I couldn't make us any money and I didn't want to just be an employee. That was like why I was starting a business. So we terminated that partnership. She went on to go back to not making money and did the marketing her way, which is what really felt good to her. And I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't do partnerships anymore and that I wanted to always have full control of my own destiny.
0: Hmm. Before we move on to your other story, I think that's, that's really interesting. And I hear that. We actually just finished up an interview uh, last week with a, a, uh, an older gentleman who's been in business for 20 years. And his story was the same. His first business didn't go well and it was because of a partnership that he didn't control right he didn't feel yeah. like that wasn't his issue but from your story what do you think if you know our listeners should take away from don't I mean, do I,
1: partnerships
0: don't do partnerships that's the line it's yeah. like never I part- am a
1: hard liner on this i very rarely hear positive not never but i very rarely hear a positive story about a partnership and if you think you're that exception, you would not be asking the question, should I do a partnership? So anyone who's asking the question, should I do a partnership? The answer is no.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's the very answer. reasonable.
1: <laughs> I think that's very
0: reasonable. Some people are, you know, they're, they're, I, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I think probably in the last 30 interviews I've done, a bad partner in the beginning has been the number one problem. Or moment of near destruction?
1: It seems seems like it'll make things easier. It makes them exponentially harder. And I don't even... I've totally made amends with this person. But I don't even... It wasn't her fault. She was like, I don't want something going out with my Yeah. Like, good, then do your own marketing. But then all of a sudden, I had nothing to sell. And this happens in so many ways with partnerships that, yeah, if you're asking the question, it's a no.
0: Right. And it's one of those where, you know, either you're... If you're investing and you're getting outsized returns because of your value, then the 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 idea person or the, the the majority owner will feel that they're paying you hundreds of thousands of dollars a month for something they could hire a great marketing company for for five yep. grand. And so there's a structural exactly. issue that that leads to resentment a lot of times, unless there's a, a much more advanced, complicated structure for like a publicly traded or you know, venture capital kind of setup. But but for the vast majority of our small business listeners, I completely agree with you. A partnership just is a... Uh, you're asking for pain. You're asking for pain. Yep. Well, yep. you said you wanted to tell us another story though.
1: Well, I did because that's the story that's really gotten me here. This is the one that I think is an even better lesson. So when I started uh, my business... I thought as I got busy, there would be tasks that I could hire people to do those tasks. And so it was a very transactional idea I had about hiring people. And the idea was, I have a task. I give you money. You do the task. Mm. I still love this idea. I daydream <laughs> about it. Sometimes I just stare off into the sunset. This idea is not reality. Exactly. Not perfect. Anyone, anywhere, anytime. And it's very hard to believe that because your brain, at least my brain, wanted to be like, maybe if we pay them more, maybe if we find a different person, maybe if we make the task smaller. But no, the actual problem with this mistake is thinking you can get people to be transactional. They, in my experience, are not. And it is so much more uh, rewarding to actually build something with someone. I know it doesn't sound that way when you're on the other side of it. You're like, would you just shut up and do what I'm asking and do it my way? My dad was an entrepreneur, and he used to say this thing that I never understood, uh, but now it makes so much sense. He would say to his employees, I don't pay you to think. I pay you to act. I don't pay you to think. Oh. And-
0: that old it school, yeah.
1: It did not work, but I now know why he said that. He had it written all over his office. There were plaques everywhere that said, "I don't pay you to think, Mickey Loria," uh, to remind his employees all day long to just do what they were told. And uh, I think the reason why my dad, my dad is super successful business. He's in the Hot Rod Hall of Fame and got his business to $5 million. But I think the reason he capped out at $5 million is that's about how far you could get if you don't pay people to think. If you want to get beyond six figures or beyond seven figures, at least, you're going to have to pay people to think. And that was my biggest lesson.
0: Well, I think that's that's very reasonable. And that's that's a lot, of course, what what our all what our listeners are familiar with in people processes and that kind of thing to build out those structures to develop people. I'm I'm really interested. I know we're gonna cover that a little bit later. We want to hear about how you actually implemented that. But tell me about the realization point for you. Like why how did it how did you come to that decision?
1: Yeah, it was it was a lot of misery. <laughs> um what happened for me was I um I wanted to hire people and have them document what they were doing. And it seemed like every time I would hire them and try and get them to document it, they had all these suggestions and changes. And then other people in the organization, it would mess them up. And it was just a disaster after. It was like I was constantly fighting fires. And I just decided there was one morning I was in Tuscany. And it was the last day of an event that I was running in Tuscany. And I was just refused to get out of bed. I've never had burnout. I hear people talk about it and it sounds dumb to me. But that day was the only day. It lasted about 45 minutes where I was like, I am just not going to get out of bed. There's no one can make me. (laughs) You are going to have to like drag me out of here because i just couldn't handle another crisis. i knew the second my he- feet hit the floor that the crises were going to start. there was i was staying with my team in this tuscan village and at the bottom of the steps i was staying in the master bedroom in this villa and at the bottom of the steps was the kitchen. and i knew once i got to the kitchen there would be a question. and it would be something like real quick, what do we do when a customer does this? But it wouldn't be real quick. Right. And it was going to be from 7 a.m. until midnight that I was going to be badgered with fires. And it felt like piranhas were just literally picking my body to pieces every day. And I didn't know how to do it one more day. Like I just could not go on one more day. And somehow I dragged myself out of bed that day. And then the next day was a day off. And that was when... I decided to build a real company and to stop hiring people and to start really to start over from scratch with uh, the idea of having relationships and partnerships with my employees and really understand fundamentally what they were getting out of the job and what they wanted. Because trying to get them to do it my way just wasn't working. So I had to start learning more and caring more about them as whole people. And I really made that decision in Tuscany in 2016 and rebuilt my business, Uh, came back from Tuscany and completely rebuilt my business with a lot more employees, but they're much more empowered. So I was really trying to do the whole thing backwards.
0: And <laughs> I, I didn't I know wait to dive. I want to, I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into that. It, it reminds me, and it's so funny that it was 2016 because, um, it was right around, it was the end of 2015, early 2016, uh, my wife and I had gone on a trip to Barcelona with family, um. And I had almost the exact same thing. We doubled in size a few years in a row. We were um, making money. Things were going great. And I just remember two or three first-time events, you know, where the standard operating procedures just wouldn't cut it, uh, popping up every day of a five-day vacation. And I remember sitting there, you know, time zones were different for U.S., so we would check in you know my things would start blowing up around like 4 p.m in barcelona and i remember my liz and i who started the company together uh, liz started the company with me years ago uh we were up at midnight in barcelona while everyone else was asleep in our beautiful middle of nowhere wine country villa and we're sitting there pissed because we have bad internet trying to figure out how to deal with these problems and that moment of there's a, there's got to be a step beyond. You know, you read the, the e-myth, you build a company, you think there are technicians, then there's this, this layer and you just have to build standard operating procedures for all the processes and then it'll all work. But at scale, that doesn't work. That, that is not the end. There's another step past that <laughs> that you got to yeah. think
1: about. And and I was in the I was in the E Club and still love yeah. it loved yeah. a lot from it like was totally in that club but then yeah just didn't quite I think
0: it's neat I mean some people need a kick in the pants to get out of making the bread or or writing the book itself you know they need to get past the technician role but there's a step beyond making nice procedures for everyone to follow on a task based transactional nature um, absolutely so. I think I think we're, I want to I give you a chance to kind of show, you've told me kind of where you're at and how you got there. I want you to uh, have a chance to tell us about what's coming up in the next six months, and then we're going to switch back to some of the insights you've gained, because uh, I think that's going to uh, help round us out. But in the next six months, what have you got coming up, coming out that's got you just excited and rolling out of bed? No more burnout, really, really excited to go. What's coming up for you?
1: Yeah. Well, externally, tons of great stuff. We actually just had our grand opening on uh, June 11th Mm. uh, of 2019 for the Author Training Academy. That's our Georgetown location. So 17,000 square feet, the largest collection of giant geodes on the East Coast, so um so crystals are so- or
0: stones yes okay I was like yeah. hey, okay crystals
1: They're magical crystals filling our building um and we've moved all of our team and our and our events over here um which frees up the castle for what uh I'm doing now um which is I'm adding a higher level a lot of my authors have hit seven figures now and they really need help with scaling Um, and we've done some really interesting and unique, uh, things here, which I write about in my new book, make them beg to work for you. And so I'm adding, uh, helping people plan, uh, really successful team retreats and hiring strategies. So I am using our, uh, the castle for our higher level, Um, authors. And then our new authors are working um, here at the Academy. So that's one of the cool things that's happening in the next six months. We've just added this second location. Um, We've also, there's a film that a filmmaker in Hollywood made about me. It's called the weight of success. And that is coming out in Netflix in the fall. And I also have a partnership with Jay Shetty, um, who is an inspirational storyteller. Um, we're making a series of webisodes together. Um, so we're filming that and it'll be coming out in the fall, which is super exciting. We have a new website coming out with the new um, author training academy and all of our employees featured. So it's oh, got awesome. much more good, focus good. on I- our editors and our team Um, So really transitioning away from the celebrity brand for the core Mm -hmm. business. And then people who want to work with me directly will still have a way to do that in our other location.
0: Nice. When you're coming up, you said you had a new book coming out, um, Make them Beg to to Work for you. When Do you have a release date on that?
1: Yes, August 15th. Well,
0: I think we discussed this earlier, but we are going to schedule this podcast release right on that day as well. So... um, if we What's have cool to, about
1: that is yeah. it will be free on that day. Uh-huh. So if you're one of those snappy listeners and you're listening right away, if you go to Amazon and you search for my name, you will see that that book, I'm going to try and make all my books free on Amazon on August 15th, but certainly Make Them Beg to Work for You will be free.
0: Do me a favor, and we'll, we'll follow up after this, but make sure to send me the links to those so in, in the show notes we'll have a link down there straight to your Amazon Perfect. page. That's
1: awesome. Uh, the
0: release That is awesome. Excellent. And we are, we're excited to uh, get a free book. That's awesome. So this is a couple of kind of rapid fire questions. And just to get an insight into how you learn and what, what resources you use, if you could recommend one book to go alongside Make Em Beg to work for you in your other Make Em Beg series, along with, of course, People Processes, um, what book would you recommend to aspiring business owners?
1: Oh God, I'm such a book book junkie. One book—that's like torture. Um, I mean, it depends on where you are. The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks—that's always a top suggestion. Um, And then anything by Brooke Castillo. She runs the Life Coach School podcast. I like her book Self Coaching (laughs) 101. That's a good one. I haven't read that one yet.
0: I'll have to go put that on the the notes. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, if you could go back to your first day in business back there in 2013 and write a letter to yourself or send yourself an email, what would you tell yourself back then outside of don't do that terrible idea?
1: (laughs) No, it's this, nobody's going to your website. Just relax with the website. So (laughs) I spent six months working on my website. It was supposed to be released January 1st, 2013. I hired this poor guy named Mike in Honolulu, and he was late, which I'm sure was because I changed the goalpost a thousand times. He was late, and it ended up being done on February 7th, and I remember thinking, God, this guy has cost me so much money. It's like five weeks that my website hasn't been up, and I guess I thought the website would go up. Millions of people would go there, they would read the website, you know, starting with the first page. After reading everything and contemplating it, they would call me, they would tell me what product to sell them and then suggest a price to me and offer me their credit card. I really didn't realize the website wasn't going to do anything. So when I hear people starting with a website, like for the love of God, do not start with a website. Start with clients. No
0: one's going to
1: website
0: exactly there's an old there's a webcomic called xkcd that i've loved since i was in college it's a it's a nerdy webcomic about math and science and those things and um one of the webcomics was it was a image of it was like regular people when they hear the fbi's website got hacked um you know and then there's like fire everywhere and oh my god the fbi's been hacked and then like computer people when they hear the fbi's website got hacked It's a picture of like a movie poster where someone had just spray painted like a a Venus on it. It's like it's just a poster. It's just a poster. It's It's one tiny part of your plan. It's not your business. It's a poster.
1: Business. It's a poster. I had no idea, and I was so mean to that guy. That's the other thing. I like I was so mean I'm like, how can you be late? Like this is you're killing me. I my last day at my corporate job is December 31st. Like I need this website to go up January 1st or I'm gonna be broke. I was broke. <laughs> so.
0: And in the meaning, and in the meanwhile, the five weeks you just were staring at your email going, where is yeah. the where is, here is it? Nothing else
1: refresh, Yelling at him and probably coming up with new ideas. Hey, since it's <laughs> can we add this? Like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I would do that all over again, totally differently. And it's amazing. I tell this story and people do not listen to me. I hear them. I overhear them beating up their web guy about a website no one's going to. And it just kills me.
0: You know, we've been in business 10 years. And I think at this point, we have finally broken about 1500 people a month going to our website. But that's
1: Amazing. Yeah, but I mean,
0: we're a content generation. You know, we're
1: in 10 years and generating all that content. That's how many people go there.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, Yes. So uh, that kind of traffic, you know, it's a lot. It makes a big difference. It really grows your company, but it's just one tiny piece. If I think of all of the money we've generated being online and just known, it's probably a tenth of what really. Has been built through relationships and being in person and trade shows and referrals and all that?
1: 10 years of creating content, investing in creating content. A lot of that content was about other things you were doing, like going to conferences and going to events and then meeting people at those events. And they're the ones who go Uh, on the website, not to mention your employees, your competitors and your uh, clients are a lot of who that tra- and people looking for jobs. Oh so, yeah. It's like what you think a website is going to do even 10 years in. I mean, even with as much traffic as you have is so much less than I was imagining. I certainly didn't think it'll take me 10 years to get 1500 page views. Oh or yeah. 1500 visitors or whatever. Like I was just like start the site and we'll be at a million and they'll all be my like target prospects.
0: Of course. It won't. It won't just be some random person scanning your website, right? Six hundred times a month, right? Yeah. So um,
1: that would be my biggest piece of advice to a new entrepreneur. Um, I mean, here's how you get business: go talk to people and make offers. There it is. It's so making that
0: offer is important. You know, that's you have to do both of those things. You have to do both hey of those. Things, to find all, yes.
1: people that have the problem you solve, and then ask them for money in exchange for solving it. <laughs>
0: All, all, every word in there is needed.
1: Right. (laughs) Um, Uh.
0: Well, okay. So let's, let's, we're getting towards the end of this. So let me, let me try to wrap it up a little bit. Uh, We're an HR podcast. And of course your new book is focused very much on the HR world of recruiting and training. What do you think in your organization is the number one policy procedure training that's had the biggest effect on your company?
1: Okay, so I'm going to blow your mind here, but this is what we do, and this has changed everything. Most of the interview is not about the position um, or whether the person can do the job. So we do that in a test before before they come. So before they can interview with us, they have to actually do the job. For about an hour, the length of an interview, they have to do a task and deliver it. Once I know they can do the job, um, then most of the interview is about them. It's really life coaching. Um, It's what we call doing their career path. So we actually start with when are you going to leave the author incubator? If you get this job and it's the best job you ever had, how will you leave, when and why? What will your title be? What will your salary be? Why will you leave? And for some people, they say, hey, I want to work there for two years. I want to learn everything I can. And then I'm going to leave to start my own business. There's no change to my salary, no change to my title, but I'm going to sop up all the information I can. And then I'm going to start my business. I have other people who are like, I'm going to be there for 30 years. I'm going to retire from the author incubator. I'm going to go from being accounts receivable clerk to being your chief financial officer. My last 10 years, I'll be a CFO and I'll be making 200000 a year. And it is amazing what people will tell you if you ask them, how are you going to leave the company? And then in the offer letter, instead of just doing an offer letter that says, we'll do annual reviews, we actually say, based on when they project they want to leave, we'll say what their raise will be and what their title will be. So we give them their whole career path when they sign up. Now, don't worry. Of course, things change and we make it very clear. But we say, here's our plan. We're going into this partnership together. And next year, you're going to get a 10% raise and your title is going to change. The year after, your titles stay the same and you'll get a 3% raise. The year after that, you're going to get a 7% raise and a title change. And we walk them through what their career could look like with the actual dates they'll get the raises and the actual amount of the raise. And this has changed everything.
0: I think that's an awesome process. The number one thing I try to get people to understand in their annual reviews, this is where we talk about it in hours, um, is actually exactly what you said, which is goal alignment. Mm
1: -hmm. You don't
0: need to figure out if they did the job well. You know that. Right. that's not the reason. Instead, your annual you need to have a process annually. And I love the idea of incorporating that in your recruiting. I think that's an awesome idea. But you need to have a process annually where you're looking at what are their goals, clarifying what it is they're trying to do, and then making sure you have a similar vision and that those align. Yeah. And if they don't, that's the job of the annual review to either move their goals or move your goals to line up.
1: Exactly. That's totally it. We start that with the recruiting. We're like, this is what you're thinking now we're going to check in in 90 days because we always do a 90 day check-in. And then after that, we're going to check in once a year and we're going to say, do we want to update this document? Are these still the next jobs you want? Is this year that sometimes I find out this is the year I'm going to leave. So one of my employees said, Um, I really want to move to the Pacific Northwest and it was a job that had to be done locally. Mm. Um, and so I know I want to move in a year, so let's make this year about me phasing out. And she still ended up getting a raise, but she didn't get a promotion that we had planned. And a lot of her job duties turned into recruiting and we had to hire two people to replace her. So Recruiting and training those two people over the year. I don't like surprises, We had another, um, this is actually a super fun story. We had an employee who um, at our annual review said, uh, we start with what's your big goal for this year personally. They have to come up with a personal goal. And um, so he said his personal goal was um, to find a relationship. Mm -hmm. And he's been looking for some time. And we actually make them share this with the team. They can Mm -hmm. edit it a little bit, but- a lot of it gets shared. So he had shared uh, that he felt like he had exhausted DC and a lot of his friends lived in Colorado and he was going to move to Colorado. And hopefully that was where this special person in his life would be. And so we changed his job um, specifically so that it would be a remote job. So we moved him to managing our online classes. And I'm like, that way, if you move, Exactly. keep doing the job. Now he was still coming into the office every day, but his job was uh, an operations job. So he was right. like, moving lights and cameras and plugging things in. And so we were building up his skills in another area so he could take the job with him. And then about six months in, he fell in love with one of our other employees. Uh-huh. So now they've Victory. together, And we've realigned his job again. Um, You know, found the girl. He's super happy. She's super happy. And that really changes his career path. So it doesn't mean that nothing's going to change. But at least I wasn't surprised. We would have been prepared. He wouldn't have just shown up one day and said, I'm leaving for um, Colorado. We were totally prepared. And now we can adjust again. And nothing's like, we're all in this together. I want it to work for him. I want it to work for us. Like, there doesn't have to be any big surprises or sneaky anything.
0: That's awesome. Dr. Angela, we're going to have to talk offline about, because you have, you, you are doing exactly what needs to be done in these, it's amazing. You've hit it directly on the head and such a differentiator for your clients. What we got to talk about is how do you process and and automate as much of that as possible. Yeah, I'm wondering about what tools you have for that and what tools maybe we could help you with as well. So that's awesome. We've got to talk about that because that's I think it's such a perfect kind of. I'm going
1: to tell you one more thing we do. This is a this is our only like automated thing, but it's a super game changer, and I would totally recommend it to people. So we use a system I don't know if you've heard of called Lattice.
0: I'm not. I'm
1: not familiar with it. So it's for team reviews, but they want you to do those horrible reviews where you say everything you were going to do, and then wow. you say what you did, and then you have to like make up stories about the fact that you didn't do them because your boss changed the goals without throwing your boss under the bus. And I always hated doing those annual reviews. So what we do is we do a full company 360. Everyone in the company rates everyone else. And they rate them on a scale of 1 to 10 with only one question. If a friend of yours was hiring someone to do this role on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely would you be to recommend your coworker for that same job with another company? Ooh, I like that. Straight up net promoter score. I was about to
0: say it's net promoter for for employees. That's Net
1: promoter score for employees, yes. So that's one, of my, that's one of my other little hacks. I'm full of them, but that's I one of my favorite it.
0: ones. Well, Dr. Angela, you have dropped so much awesome information on here. Thank you so much. I'm sure our listeners are uh, just scribbling notes and bookmarking and so awesome. You got to tell us, how can our listeners contact you? Where should they find out more about you? And what should be the trigger for them reaching out to you?
1: Yeah. So if you go to the dot that is where you can learn about how we help people um, get their books written, published, promoted, out in the world, making a difference. On there, there's an area um, where all of our books are all that we've published about a thousand books, and they're all up there. At the top of that page, you'll see all of my books, um, and we offer them for free. That's a way to get a free uh, book for me and also to get on my mailing list. And if you are interested in um, any of our leadership training retreats that we are now doing, uh, the best way would be getting on the email list and just hitting Reply. So grab one of my books for free and then write, and then one of the amazing people on my team will get back to you um, and we can figure out how to work together. And if you want to get your book done, um, theauthorincubator.com has lots of great resources for that.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Angela. I sure appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. I love geeking out on HR stuff and the fact (laughs) that you're automating a lot of this makes such a difference because I think most people just don't have time to do recruiting right and any support we can get. It's like an afterthought, but it's really the most important thing as a leader or an executive, I think, that we do.
0: Well, my argument is always this. Just like in product delivery or service delivery, processes are the only thing you can deliver consistently and most importantly, improve consistently. So systems like yours and the advice you give and the structures you build are outstanding. But if you don't put them in place in such a way that they happen every time, the same way, consistently, you can't measure their impact and you can't improve on them over time, which is the real secret sauce in a business. So I think I I love having guests like you on and I love, uh, I, I can't wait to, for some of my clients to reach out and learn more and for me to learn more as well. And let's see how we can work together in the future.
1: Love it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. Have a great one. You too.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter at Poplar Financial. Go to peopleprocesses.com and subscribe and get some of our subscriber only content. Thank you for tuning in. Now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day and get your work done.